So it's, you know, it's mm. not just the technology that you're using. Obviously, that is important as a technology <laughs> provider, <laughs> I have to say that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. it's beyond that, you know, above and beyond technology. Hello and welcome to episode 39 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is for marketing, the F is for well you decide. As you're probably wondering, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I'm your host, Ian Truscott, founding editor of Rockstar CMO, your monthly hit of marketing street knowledge, where we share straight-talking marketing advice from our community of marketing writers and CMOs. And this weekly podcast serves as my excuse to chat to that band. You can find us at rockstarcmo.com and at rockstarcmo on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. This episode was recorded on Friday the 4th of December. Thank you for joining us. I hope you've had a good week, that you are well, keeping safe, and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. On the set list this week, I chat to Christine Bailey, CMO of Valata, as we continue to delve into the pages of her book. I chat to the co-founder and CEO, content marketing planning tool, Plannery, Exenia Muntian, and I again round off my week in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar with my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose. Right, let's get started, shall we? Before I start, if you indulge me for a moment, just wanted to share we have just published the latest issue of Rockstar CMO that is full of holiday thanks and gifts. It's called the Come Together Issue, named after the classic Beatles track. It's a great collection from eight of our marketing writers and CMOs that you can find at rockstarcmo.com and click on the latest issue link. Right, let's get back to the set list. If you're a regular listener, you will know that last week we started a short series diving into Christine Bailey's first book, Customer Insights Strategies, How to Understand Your Audience and Create Remarkable Marketing. If you missed last week's episode and you're not familiar with Christine, she is the CMO of Valata, an international payment solution. Christine is a regular contributor to our Rockstar CMO community, sharing her wonderful B2B marketing experience gained at Big B2B brands like Hewlett Packard and Cisco Systems, and is an award-winning marketing professional, having been voted number one woman in tech by B2B Marketing, and has a doctorate DBA in customer insights from the Cranfield School of Management here in the UK. Christine recently added author to her list of achievements, and her book that we're discussing in the second part of our four-part interview was published last month by Cogan Page. Last week, we covered the topic of the book and what inspired Christine to write it. This week, we dive into the meat and talk about insights in planning. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome back, Christine, to Rockstar CMO FM. We're dipping into your book a couple of chapters at a time over the next few weeks. Um, And welcome. Thank you. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about insights in planning. I'm sort of dipping into chapters three to five in your book, and you talk about how you can help with planning from brand purpose to creating segments, personas. And in chapter three, you talk about starting with why. And that's always my favorite. And I think I've talked about that a few times on this actual podcast. Tell us about starting with why. Mm. So most businesses are good at describing what they do mm-hmm. and how they do it. 
but few are good at describing why they do it. And, you know, your why is your purpose and should be at the center of your value proposition. Mm-hmm. You know, when I first joined Valator, we, we, we said, uh, you know, we're on a mission to become an international payment solutions company. And I said, well, we already are an international payment <laughs> solutions company. That, that can't yeah. be our purpose. Yeah. So actually we used, we did a strategic insight study to really understand what was important to our customers and and mm-hmm. what we could you know really stand behind and we came up with um Valator makes buying and selling easy because mm-hmm. it turns out that nobody cares about payments um but they do care about buying and selling and it should be as easy transparent you know simple as possible so that became our mantra that and and everybody could, the employees actually could really get behind that as well as our customers mm-hmm. so so that's mm-hmm. why the you know most businesses don't have a clear purpose driven value proposition because it's mm. actually a very hard thing to find out so we used insights to help us find our why Yeah. But I would say don't dive into research with an open-ended question. You know, you've got to have an idea of what it is you're testing for, and you yeah. need to go into your research with a point of view that, that you want validating. So don't just go in completely yeah, open-ended. Yeah. And, and um, I would recommend people, if they need inspiration, try watching Simon Sinek's TED Talk, Finding Your Why. Yeah. It's um, fascinating. And yeah. I think if you understand your own why, it, it will help you to understand your customer's why. Yeah. And yeah. and the, I guess the other thing to say is that, you know, today's consumers are very suspicious. You know, for those <laughs> of you that follow the, um, I love the Edelman Trust Barometer, yeah. you know, you, you'll know that trust is an absolute all-time low. So yeah. your value proposition really needs to be authentic or you're going to get found out. So, you know, for goodness mm. sake, don't be accused of trust washing or woke washing. Your, your, your yeah. why and your value proposition must be authentic. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And um, I love the way that you said the customer's why rather than the company's why, which I think mm. is very important because that's what they care about and that's why they've come to you. So once we've understood the why and I'm now moving forward, I think, to like chapter five and we've defined our story, you get, then go on to describe applying insights to creating customer segments and personas, right? So we understand that. And specifically, and I think because this is a hot marketing topic, topic I wanted to bring this up, you talk about ABM, account-based marketing, and you say, that you can do that on any budget with the right customer insight. Tell us about that. Yeah, so the days of spray and pray marketing, you know, <laughs> really are long gone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can now use customer insights to identify our target audience. And we can do that from a segment of many, you know, down mm-hmm. to a segment of one. And this is often referred to as account-based marketing or ABM for short. Mm-hmm. And companies are typically using ABM in, in one of three ways, one-to-one, Uh, one to many and uh sorry one to one one to few <laughs> and one to many yeah and you know the, the, there is there really is an abm program for any budget this is something that small companies can do right up to large companies mm-hmm. um and i think if we sort of think about okay well how does that actually work i think we need to break down the segmentation journey into a number of steps and then you can think about well what would be the sort of budget way of doing that step versus, you know, having more money to, to, to do that step. Yeah. So I, I like to think of five steps. And the first step is researching your segment. And, you know, you, you can, you know, the, the low budget way of doing that is, is doing it yourself. You know, you're doing desk-based research, you're, you're, you're speaking yeah. to people within the company, right up to obviously, you know, spending money and getting some outside help to do that. So the first one is to re- researching your segment. And, you know, don't, don't dismiss actually talking to the salespeople and talking internally is a really important way of um, researching your segment. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. The second one is bringing your segments to life with personas. So these are real people in those segments. And, you know, sort of you you can't, um, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example here of, you know, picky choosers. You know, you might come up with this, you know, wonderful definition, picky choosers, that's our segment. Um, But how on earth do you go to a data company and say, can I have a list of all your picky choosers, please? Mm -hmm. You know, it's, um, you know, you should bring bring your segments to life with personas, but you've also got to be realistic about how you're then going to find those people. Yeah. Um, So that's the second step. The third step is to select your target accounts. Um, and again, you might speak to your salespeople, you might get some um, outside help to do that, again, depending on your budget. And then you want to find out how, how those accounts are behaving using intent data. Now, that probably is a more expensive choice. So having said that, there are a whole number of companies now who will help mm-hmm. you interpret digital footprint data, data and understand the how those count, uh, accounts are behaving. And it's not necessarily expensive you can do that for a thousand pounds a month fifteen hundred pounds a month so that's the the fourth step is you know find out how how your accounts are behaving using that digital intent data and finally and this is the the area where of course you can spend a little or a lot is target them with with relevant digital advertising and serve up relevant content so you know, that's where, you know, you can spend a lot of money on digital advertising or you could be reaching them. You could be targeting them through um, an email campaign or a telemarketing campaign. So digital advertising is going to be more expensive, um, but there's other ways of reaching them. So I think you have to think of those five steps and then yeah. apply your budget accordingly. That's fantastic. And I know that um, we're trying to just keep a short like um a dip into your book uh, for for each of these episodes i could i could talk to you about that those particular subjects for a while so i'm going to end it there and um, and we'll join you again next week christine for insights and customers i'm looking forward to it thank you i'll speak to you then Thank you, Christine. Some practical tips there to get us started, whatever your budget. And I will, of course, include links to Christine, her company, the book, Twitter and LinkedIn in the show notes. Next up, we enter the world of marketing technology, as we often do on this show, and welcome Ksenia Muntian, the founder of Planable, a content review and marketing collaboration platform used by over 5,000 teams at brands like Jaguar, Land Rover, Viber, Siemens, and the United Nations. For the past four years, she has worked with hundreds of marketing teams, helping them collaborate efficiently from across the room or across the globe. Xenia was recognized as Forbes 30 Under 30, has spoken at the Cannes Lions, and has been a guest on Growth Marketing Today, Social Geek, Social Minds, and many other podcasts. As we'll discuss, she has also published an ebook, The Manifesto on Content Marketing Teams, and has recently launched her own podcast, People of Marketing. Welcome, Xenia. Hi, Zania. Welcome to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you? <laughs> good, good. Good morning. And thank you so much for having me on the show. Yeah, very welcome. And where are we talking to you from? Bucharest, Romania, Eastern uh, Europe. Yes, I've the been land to of Bucharest. Have you? That is yeah. a... wow. How it's so? It's a beautiful city. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I used to work with, uh, there's a lot of um, tech. Uh, that happens in in Bucharest and in Romania at the moment. So I've I've worked with the outsourced um, development team there when, when I worked at an agency. Very beautiful city. Um, yeah, but 
for people that don't know you and probably don't know Bucharest, <laughs> tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm the CEO and co-founder of Planable, which is mm-hmm. a collaboration platform, a collaboration tool for social media teams out there, for modern social media teams that want to move fast with their content production. And mm-hmm. before Planable, I had a social media marketing agency. So I was in the industry and, and you know, in the ad world since I graduated university and even before that, mm-hmm. I was obsessed with advertising. Uh, since I was a very, very young, I was reading everything I could get my hands on. <laughs> uh, yeah, all the books, you know, I'll give you all of that, all of that good yeah. stuff. Um, yeah. And I was dreaming, you know, of, you know, sometimes having my own shop in the, uh, you know, uh, potentially an agency, a digital yeah. marketing agency. And that happened very early on during my second yeah. year of university. And that's, yeah. you know, how I, you know, do building and running my own agency. That's when I stumbled upon a bunch of problems. Uh, so it usually happens. Uh, and mm-hmm. I decided to solve one of them. Uh, by uh, building uh, Planable together with my co-founders. So that's the story of uh, me. I'm born yeah. in uh, Republic of Moldova, which is a post-Soviet country in Eastern mm-hmm. Europe, and yeah. have been building Planable for the past four years. Very good, very good. And um, I know, I mean, we're talking to each other on video, but I don't share the video <laughs> in the podcast. It's audio only. But as you can see behind me, I am also inspired by marketing books. So it's always good to meet <laughs> yes. somebody who has that same passion. Um, yeah. And and so it was the problems you found running the agency that inspired you to start Planable. Is yes. that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. kind of like trying to scratch my own itch. They say, you know, best entrepreneurs, uh, you mm-hmm. know, build companies to solve their own problems because then yeah, you're yeah. your ideal user, you know, your audience as good yeah. as it can get. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, you know, I built, prob- I, I built Planable to solve this specific problem that frustrated me the most, which was the entire operational and collaboration thing that yeah. was happening beside uh, planning content for social. And that's what we've been doing. Uh, we've been helping, you know, other um, agencies and, and marketing teams out there to uh, move faster in terms of mm-hmm. planning social media content. Mm-hmm. No, so, um, so that's what Planable does is it, it, it focuses on planning and collaborating on publishing social content. Is that correct? Yes. So what it does is that it replaces a bunch of tools that currently social media Mm -hmm. teams use out there. And most specifically, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, social media teams use spreadsheets to plan Mm -hmm. uh, what's called in the industry editorial calendars. Uh, for the next month, they use uh, Drive or Dropbox to store their files, like the GIFs yeah. and the videos and the images and all of that. Email yeah. to discuss and align around content or Slack, you know, if it's internally. Yeah. And we replace yeah. all of those tools by just bringing the social media team in one single place where they can align, where they can see how their content is going to look like, pixel perfect to the final version on, on social. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can just have, you know, everything in one single place so they can coordinate the entire production and and their entire social media output from one central location. That sounds fantastic. And I think any of us that worked in agencies are aware of that email, spreadsheet, you know, shared drives. Client approvals, trying to centralize all the feedback from clients. Yeah, I've been there. It was a mess. I was a mess. So, (laughs) All right. Um, and, and here on Rockstar CMO, we often talk about um, content marketing, and this is part yes. of that. 
And I also noticed that you'd recently published the manifesto on content marketing themes. Yeah, tell us a bit about that. What inspired you to write that ebook? Oh God, I, I felt like you know working with brands and and agencies out there in the past four years since I started building Planable. I felt that there's not that many people that are raising the issue of operations and processes behind content and i understand why it's not like it's not a sexy subject it's definitely not the most glamorous topic you can talk about processes and operations who wants to talk about that we want to talk about the words and creativity and strategies and trends that's the sexy stuff and i felt like someone needed to raise their hand and say look we gotta you know we got to get our shit together and we got to organize ourselves <laughs> a little better because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's 2020. Uh, we're, it was yeah. 20, 20, uh, you know, 2019 when I started, um, when yeah. I um, published the book. And yeah. we deserve just better ways of working together. And the entire yeah. manifesto was about the three principles that we have to build within our uh, team. And that's yeah. uh, clarity, coordination, and uh, efficiency. And those are the three right. values and principles you have to figure out how to build inside your team in order to be fully yeah. productive and efficient and, uh, you know, to be a modern social media team or content marketing yeah. team. Yeah, no, that's really interesting because recently in the last couple of weeks, um, I have Robert Rose on the show on a regular basis, who's a, my content marketing guru anyway. And and a lot of the conversation around content marketing is turning into that. It's turning into that conversation about content operations and how we yes. do that. I mean, everybody Finally. wants to talk about <laughs> everybody wants to talk about the sexy stuff. They love talking about the creative and the words and the copy, but how do you actually make that happen? Right. Um, and I noticed in your manifesto, I love this thing that you, you focus on, and that is content paralysis. What did you yes. mean by that? Yes. So the demand of content has, you know, it has increased so, so much in the past mm-hmm. few years. And I think we've saw, we, we've seen this, uh, particularly well during the lockdown and the pandemic. You know, the audience mm-hmm. had this huge demand for content from brands. They needed information and they needed advice and they needed meaningful, um, meaningful you know, information around what is happening in the world, but also entertainment. So there was this Mm -hmm. huge hunger for content Mm -hmm. that, you know, we experienced in the the early days of the pandemic. And brands weren't prepared to accommodate that need uh, because Mm -hmm. the operational, because basically the everything, you know, the bottleneck was how the Mm. content was being produced and the operations Mm -hmm. were becoming a bottleneck because Mm -hmm. we didn't have the structure and the right framework to work together as teams. We couldn't produce content in an agile and fast way. So that meant um, we had this content paralysis where we had to, you know, produce, we couldn't basically accommodate the demand on the market. And we've, you know, we've really, really, you know, I I wrote this book in 2019 before the pandemic. And (laughs) I kind of, you know, I I mentioned that we're going to get brands, many brands are going to get to that point in time where they're going to experience this content paralysis, just Mm. the insufficiency of time because of the way we're working. And I, I think, you know, many brands uh, during the lockdown have experienced this uh, paralysis yeah. in terms of not being able to move as fast as they needed just because the yeah. operational side wasn't there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was a trend that was already happening. And I think it's interesting yeah. you wrote this in 2019 because 
Um, people are talking about the fact that actually more sales is now virtual and more is happening in terms of engagement with brands before I work mainly in B2B before anybody actually speaks to a sales rep or engages with the product or engages with you and and and, and your people that now much of that much of selling is now happening virtually and people are consuming much more content ahead of that is that is that what you're talking about is that trend was already happening before the pandemic and that's now accelerated yeah, hundred percent. This, you know, we've seen that happening before the pandemic, but now yeah. it's. I think the and, and even the conversations, not just the trend of consuming more and more content, yeah. but also the conversations around how can we make it happen in terms of processes and methodology. Yeah. How can we yeah. make content as marketers? happen you know faster yeah. i think this particular conversation that i was so eager to raise that has yeah. accelerated as well you know fortunately yeah, yeah. and i think it's where yeah. i wished it was and the next five years i think we're now there just because yeah, of yeah. the pandemic so you know small good things that <laughs> came with this <laughs> yeah. as well yeah. uh yeah. the grand scheme of things that's probably not you know that big but uh it's it's an important thing and i'm glad that yeah, marketers yeah. are looking at it in the end and trying to figure out how can they optimize and how can they increase their productivity as a team. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, it's been taken, I think the important thing for marketers and for the content marketers that have been banging this drum for what, you know, five, 10 years or so, is that actually it's now been taken more seriously yes. Yes. further up the business in, in the C-suite. Yeah. Exactly. And um, you talk about in the, but you, as a way of getting over this, you talk about coordination and efficiency. Now, aside from using Planable, obviously, <laughs> and what advice do you give to marketing teams who are looking to do that, who are looking to break that paralysis? I Yeah, I love this question. And I think, you know, there is no success recipe uh, for mm. this particular thing, but taking this extremely seriously and making this a mission for your team, uh, you know, mm. either, you know, the end, uh, we're seeing, you know, the end of the year. Uh, so a yeah. lot of teams are planning for 2021, you know, annual strategies yeah. and all of that. So making yeah. productivity for your content studio, for your content team, making productivity one of your objectives, mm -hmm. one of your key results, you know, if you're working in an OKR type of thing or if you're working in different methodologies, yeah. it doesn't matter what type of, you know, methodology you're, you're using, but basically yeah. making productivity for your content team one of your key results, mm -hmm. one of your objectives for the year and setting yeah. that as a goal is the most important first step that you can do because from that yeah. derives a lot of other tasks like, you know, potentially auditing what's not working at the moment, you know, finding, yeah. investigating where that particular bottleneck in your team is, uh, mm -hmm. what, you know, is it um, the fact that information is not centralized in one single place is it the organization of your content is the fact that people are, don't have you know everyone in the team doesn't have mm -hmm. access or overview to the content is the content not mm -hmm. visual enough or clear enough what is you know mm -hmm. what else is happening is double work happening you know all of those things once you look into them you're going to find the specific you know particular problem that your team is mm -hmm. you know dealing with but it all comes mm -hmm. from making that a goal for 2021 and you know setting mm -hmm. a few projects aside for that because uh, that's you know mm -hmm. where it starts if you decide and if you commit to mm -hmm. making uh you know to improving productivity for your content team um mm -hmm. i think that's you know that's the first you know first best step you can make 
Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about there, it's all sorts of things, isn't it? It's not just about technology and enabling yeah. people to collaborate online. It's also about process and people yes. and the very structure of your marketing teams, by the sounds of things. Yes, yes, 100% too. I was just speaking with someone earlier on my own podcast, People of Marketing, mm-hmm. and I asked mm-hmm. them, you know, what's the one thing that sits between them and their productivity? And they mentioned mm-hmm. that it's understanding of all the stakeholders uh, needs mm-hmm. on social media and also under, you know educating them so being mindful of all the departments that need to interact with social and finding mm-hmm. ways of properly and seamlessly getting them involved in the social media planning and the social media strategy is mm-hmm. a very important thing to do because you know social is probably one of those departments that is like and content generally is one of the mm-hmm. departments that is extremely, extremely connected with everything else in the business, with HR, with labor, yeah. with product, with sales, with everything out there. Yeah. Everyone in the company needs content in order to, you know, yeah. operate. Yeah, um, yeah. So being, you know, mindful of who the stakeholders are and their needs and their point mm-hmm. of view on social, that is one big thing. So it's, you know, it's mm-hmm. not just the technology that you're using. Obviously that is important as a technology provider, <laughs> mm-hmm. I have to say. but it's beyond that you know above and beyond technology it's mindset it's stakeholders who do you need to involve and how can you involve them properly um you know about the role everyone the team the design of the team uh how do you collaborate efficiently as a team um so it's you know a lot more than than just technology yeah 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 and um we've touched on this already but um you know, have you what what differences have you seen in the way that your clients are working during the pandemic with perhaps with your tools specifically or what demands are they making? Is it just is it just that people are producing more? They come they're getting over that paralysis and doing more with your, your product now? I was amazed of the difference I I saw in our in our mm-hmm. clients using Planable. Uh, if before the pandemic they were, you know, very active on the platform, once mm-hmm. the lockdown was, you know, in place and once everyone was working from home, we've seen, you know, an increase in activity. Yeah. Everyone, yeah. You know, people were, you know, using it more than ever, more than before. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not just in terms of producing more posts, producing more content, but also more people were on the platform. Um, and I think yeah. it makes sense if before, you know, they were using planable but also potentially communicating just from across the table or from across the the hall yeah. now yeah. they had no other choice than just to <laughs> uh, communicate. yeah to use the platform yeah. and communicate yeah. in one you know in one single place and i think that yeah. you know that is uh, in my opinion a better approach because you have everything in one single place you're not missing any comments mm-hmm. you're not going to forget any feedback that you ever received yeah. so it's all centralized yeah. it's all accountable it's all in one place um, but yes, yeah. that's that's the difference that we've seen. You know, more people getting involved in uh, yeah. in the in the planning process, uh, and also more yeah. content being produced. I think it's really there's two things I find interesting about that because I come from an age of on-premise software and I love it when I talk to cloud providers and the data that they get from their users where they can see these trends happening and they can see changes in consumption I think it's been really interesting during the pandemic I spoke to um, a cloud CMS vendor um, quite a few weeks ago on on this podcast and he was talking about how the difference he'd seen in the way that his users are working and the second point of course is 
that we're now learning to work virtually, right? Mm. We're now learning to leverage these tools much better because we are, you know, and, and also what does that mean for the world of work in that we now can spread our teams around more but still remain working in that way with these tools? So I think that's really, that's very that's fascinating. I agree. That. I agree. It, yeah. It's a new. It's a new world. It's a new future. <laughs> it is indeed. It is indeed. Well, I know that you're an incredibly busy entrepreneur, so I'm gonna I'm gonna come to my final question, and you might be familiar with this question because yes. we ask it all of our guests. And um, we have a regular feature on Rockstar CMO called the Swimming Pool, our portal to hell for all the BS, Napol, and all that's wrong with marketing. This industry we love. What would you throw into our Rockstar CMO Swimming Pool? I would honestly throw social as a concept. (laughs) (laughs) And that's social. It's, you know, the fact that social is, um, you know, a lot of people talking about social as this Mm -hmm. different thing, right? But social is in the end a channel. Uh, It is a channel. And it needs, you know, the core of social is content. Um, So, you know, you can't do social without a meaningful, powerful uh, content strategy, you know, very well connected to your brand. So social is not this whole, you know, new beast. It is, you know, part of the content mix. Um, and it's, yeah. you know, it's a distribution channel in the end. And a lot of people are talking about, you know, let's do something, you know, let's do social. Let's, you know, put this on yeah. social. Um, yeah. But it is, you know, it's it's a channel. So you can't do social media strategy if you, if you don't have content um, in the first yeah. place that is connected yeah. uh, uh, with the brand, with the business goals. Um, you can't do that without content. So uh, in the, you know, yeah. and without without something without something to say that somebody cares about, right? I mean, like you say, I mean, it, you're not going to suddenly magic up engagement just because you're on social. Exactly. So, yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I've had I've had similar because it's interesting because I've had marketing technologists want to throw in technology into Zoom pool, and I've had PR people and I've had a PR person say that phrase, "Can we get PR on this?" Yeah. Thrown into Zoom pool as can, well. Can so, we get the social? <laughs> yes. Very yeah. Yeah. So it's a similar thing where people are actually um, not thinking about the thing they're trying to do they're thinking about the tactic yes. and they think that'll improve engagement and stuff that's really interesting yes well thank you very much um <laughs> and uh, very much enjoyed our conversation Zenia and um when people spin the dial on the interwebs where are they going to find you you talked about you're on twitter correct yes i'm on twitter uh, and on linkedin so if you want to connect mm-hmm. with me um you can you know send me a connection request on uh, on linkedin let me know you heard me on, on this podcast and uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah i would be more than happy to chat with you and planable where can people find that yes it's planable.io p-l-a-n-a-b-l-e.io <laughs> Uh-huh. And then you mentioned a podcast as well. Yes, so we're on, um, is that on the panel? Yeah, we're on every, you know, uh podcast app out there, <laughs> uh you know, Spotify, uh Stitcher, all of those things. And it's called People uh-huh. of Marketing. So um, right. Whenever, People are yes. marketing that sense. Yes. Yes. Well, I shall, of course, include all the links to those things in the show notes. It's been a great pleasure to speak to you. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your day. And hope we speak soon. <laughs> Thank you so much. Sure. It was really great chatting with you.
Thank you, Xenia. I suspect we'll be revisiting her suggestion to Chuck. Let's get some social on that into the Rockstar CMO swimming pool in a future issue. A great suggestion. Right, it's Friday evening here at the London Rockstar Penthouse. Time to wind down for the weekend. And what better way than to join my friend and content marketing mentor, Robert Rose, in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend. How are you? I'm I'm so glad to see you in the bar. Um, mm. I, you know, this week again, um, mm-hmm. for I guess it was a few weeks ago, I think you're actually yes. going to have um, the <laughs> element of the drink that we're having. Um, I'm calling this drink tonight the Fall Martini, um, uh. which is... You know, a, a, a now hold on, hold on to your horses here. It's gin. <laughs> oh, I've heard of that. You might have some of that. Um, now, specifically, <laughs> it's tulip gin from the Netherlands, uh, mm. which I have talked about on this show before. It's a I got a yeah. gift from my friends in uh, uh, my Dutch friends from Amsterdam yes. who yes. gave me some wonderful tulip gin, which was beautiful and makes a wonderful martini. Um, and then the key here is. Uh, the form of vermouth that you use, which is, of course, mm-hmm. in this case, is an Italian red vermouth, um, which wow. gives it wonderful fall-like color, um, mm-hmm. and it's just a beautiful, wonderful martini. It sounds very lovely. Sweet. I remember a sweet martini. That sounds oh, that sounds very nice. Now, I will attempt to make it based on the ingredients I have on my desk, as we usually do. Now, then, uh, in a martini, you're not putting ice, are you? No, there's no ice here. It is it is shaken, not stirred. Well, I've wandered off piste already in that case then. But <laughs> obviously I do have some gin. And I have, uh, even though these people have not got in touch with me yet, I'm still only drinking Hendrix gin for the pleasure of it, by the way. A bottle of Hendrix gin. Nice. nice. So I shall um I shall pour some of that into my glass. A decent slug, martini esque. Oh, that's a bit too much gin. Do you mind if I just... Um, I don't have any vermouth on my desk, unfortunately. Um, but I do have something very close to it. Not from Italy. Uh, tonic water. Ah, well, yes. that's not vermouth, but yeah. No. I think you should do that. I can't make the... I don't know what the, what tonic has got in common with vermouth. Um I don't think we can even make a reference to botanicals there. And it didn't fizz when I opened it, which is annoying. But anyway, let's pour some of that in there. Just a touch. So I get it. I got a very ginny gin and tonic. Let's give that a I try. Very ginny gin and tonic, yes. Mm. There you go. Corky Bennett. Whew, that's, uh, maybe should have put a bit more tonic into that one. <laughs> but yes, that's that's very nice. I can imagine us uh, I can imagine us sipping these for a while. In fact, we have had we have had martinis before. I think we had them in New York. Where we will be having these ones, Robert? Well, where shall we go in the world? You know, I think here, since we are in the depth of fall and approaching mm-hmm. winter, we should probably go somewhere that is very holiday-esque, I would think. Mm, nice. And I don't know. Have you ever been to, uh, uh, well, Stockholm? Um, yes. 
and seen the 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 Christmas um, the Christmas market or the Christmas yeah, uh, yeah. That they do yeah. It is. I haven't. I don't know if I've been to the Stockholm Christmas Fair, but I'm. I, I mean, I've spent a lot of time in places like Germany at their Christmas fairs and stuff. And I yes, think that those places similar, are just it's a similar thing. Yes, it's, yeah, yeah. But I've spent a lot of time in Stockholm. It's it's a wonderful city. Yes, and and uh, you know, aside from the, uh, you know, look, I can't, I, I can't abide too much of the Swedish cuisine. <laughs> Just not, I can't. I'm my my apologies to all of my Swedish friends. Um, I just, you know, it just doesn't do it for me. Um, mm-hmm. So we'd find some other kind of restaurant to be at near the Christmas yes. Square um, in mm-hmm. Stockholm, and and um, yes. and take a nice, lovely walk through it. I think after after dinner, nice, that, that nice. Yeah, and we yeah, would find a some... lovely, lovely, you know, this lovely martini as our accompaniment. Yeah. Yeah, and there's some great hotels and stuff as well. Great bars in Stockholm. I mean, we would um, we definitely enjoy that city on these cocktails. Oh, it's a beautiful, wonderful. City. It's one of my favorite places. I love Stockholm. Um, yeah, you know, and if you go in this time of year where it is, you know, perennially yeah. dark, um, yeah. the time to go out and is when it's all lit up at night, and you know, yeah, you, know, it's easy to get the wonderful Christmas lights and all. Yeah, yeah, very nice, very nice. I think actually the last trips, last trips I did before we were not flying anymore. I was uh, I was in the Nordics, uh, around all those cities. So very nice, very nice indeed. And uh, so <clears throat> the wonderful city of Stockholm is our host, and uh, we are uh, sharing these these beautiful martinis. Um, what are we going to be chatting about? I think we need to start talking about career laddering for content marketing professionals. Um, ah. It is woefully behind. Um, I'm working mm. with a very large organization now um, that is building a content team um, mm-hmm. in-house. And mm-hmm. quite frankly, their HR people are really, really struggling um, because it just doesn't exist. Um, right. You know, if you look up content marketing and career laddering, you're not going to yeah. find much. There's not there's nothing there, because mm-hmm. what typically happens is you've got people who are brought in as content marketing professionals, and they're coming in from mm-hmm. all manner of places. Right? They're journalists, mm-hmm. they're editors, mm-hmm. they're digital marketers, digital natives, salespeople. You know, yeah, so many different. They come from so many different practitions, and 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 you know, so. The, but the interesting thing is, mm-hmm. is that once they get in, you know, and many businesses have done this, right? You know, you've got content managers and directors of content marketing and even senior directors of content marketing and, you know, mm-hmm. et cetera. But as you go higher in the organization, at some point there's a ceiling, right? Yeah. Very few organizations that we've seen have, you know, VP level content marketing mm-hmm. or content strategists. Very few. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And those that do, once you go there, then there's no, then there, that's the absolute scene. Yeah, there's no, you absolutely. Know, you know, there's no, there's no matriculating up to anything other than that because, yeah. and in most businesses, once you get beyond the manager level, you're getting out of content marketing and you're going into something else, right? Either product marketing, yeah. you're going into brand, you're going into yeah. uh, IT in some cases, you're going into technical writing, you know, there's no... Yeah. You know, so what's happening is, interestingly, is I've, you know, having done this for the last 10 years and watched mm-hmm. so many colleagues 
that started out, you know, as yeah. junior level people at, at you yeah. know, interns or coordinators or junior level managers and who have now mm-hmm. over the last 10 years grown from company to company to company and are now, mm-hmm. you know, at, you know, at, at, at a good senior level place in their career, they're, they're just, they're just changing companies. Yeah. And, and so there's a real talent gap here at the leadership level. Yeah. And if we yeah. ever want content marketing to actually be a strategic C-level strategy, there yeah. needs to be a voice at that table. Oh, sure. And if that voice gets subsumed into product marketing or brand marketing or agencies, mm-hmm. you know, you're never going to get that level of voice at the senior yeah. leadership. And so thus, the strategy sort of always remains a small niche tactic that the business yeah. kind of does off on the side. And it's a... You know, and there's plenty of data, by the way. There's plenty mm-hmm. of data, right? The World Economic mm-hmm. Forum. I talked about this a little bit on Joe and my podcast. Uh, yeah, I was going to mention so, that. Yeah. 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 World Economic Forum said that basically content job opportunities in marketing are going to be the second highest job number of job opportunities, second only to healthcare. And wow. that's an amazing statistic. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then when you couple that with the number of businesses these days that are starting to in-house content yeah. and and content strategy, you know, yeah. the future looks bright for jobs, but where are yeah. you going? And, well, uh, I think this is a really interesting topic because I've, um, again, you know, I've been working with a client who's grappling this very same thing. We should, I mean, I, I think it would ruin it if we rehearsed it, but actually in this case, and uh, this is true again this week. And do you know what they did? They were looking at model marketing models from all the all the top, um, you know, where, wherever they could grab them. You know, people like Serious Decisions and Forrester and stuff like that. And there isn't well, that definition. No, exactly. So, so there's these senior leaders that are looking at their influencers and and the analysts and stuff, and they're not seeing that in the in their classic marketing models. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd be fortunate. They don't exist. Those, you know, those ladderings yeah. don't don't exist. You know, they just they, you know, the marketing ladders exist, right? You know, you've got yes. your, yeah. you know, your coordinator, your manager, your senior manager, yeah. your director, your senior director, your VP, your CMO, yeah. and away you go. And there's your laddering, and it's got you know average pay scales. It's got job descriptions. It's very clear. Yeah. And you know, so anyway, so I'm, I, it's something I'm working on, right? Because you know, yeah. shame on me. I've not done it. Um, I've not built yeah. one to sort of put yeah. out as a straw man. So let's, you know, yeah, let's yeah, put yeah. one out and let's, let's start, let's start, you know, if, if, if a standard doesn't exist, let's build one. Yeah. Yeah. And also, um, I think if, if you can indicate how that fits in with the rest of the marketing machine, and I think that's, that's also the issue. Like, I think that maybe in content marketing, it's been a little bit siloed in terms of, you know, we need to talk about content. We need to talk about content marketing, but how is that going to interact and interface with everything else? And if we can create those models for the leaders, then that will help them figure this out, right? Yeah, it's a great point. It's yeah, a great, yeah. it needs to, yeah. you know, zipper into the rest of the marketing organization. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, by the way, isn't always an assumed level either, right? There are, no. <laughs> there are many businesses out there <laughs> who don't have a great career laddering for marketing full stop, right? You yeah, know, much yeah. less one for, for content marketing. Yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting because there are are companies that you and I have both worked with Mm -hmm. that, Mm -hmm. you know, have 
have yet to sort of join up digital and regular marketing, right? Where they've got a VP yeah. of digital marketing and a VP of yeah. uh, regular marketing, I guess, or whatever you're calling it. But, <laughs> you know, but they're sort of split out this whole department of digital marketing. It's like, yeah. really? What are the other people doing? You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're they're, doing, they're not doing events. <laughs> That's what they're not doing. <laughs> right. Right. I think it's so true. And if I think about my own career, like you know, I've as, you know we've worked together for many years, and I've been a passionate advocate of content marketing, and I've I've run content marketing teams. Um, but also, I think that when I look back at how I became a CMO, it was not because I was a content marketer. It's because. Um, you know, I had that experience as, as a, in working for software vendors in different capacities. So that really resonates with um, with my own experience. I, that you're right. There isn't a career for a content marketer from 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 the people that create the content all the way up to the CMO at the moment. No, and the question is: is the C, is CMO the penultimate destination for a, ah, for, a mm-hmm. for a for a content marketer? And and. Mm-hmm. You know, there's lots of there's lots of discussion these days about whether you know the, whether the CMO job is too big, ostensibly mm-hmm. for any one person. And you and I have talked about this before, and yeah. we're both yeah, yeah. saying no. There's 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 mm-hmm. room for the CMO as there's room mm-hmm. for a CFO and a CEO um, mm-hmm. that's not too big for the organization. So thus, you know, but in that level below. You know mm-hmm. where you've got you know everything from you know content to media to PR and communications to brand to product marketing to you know all the different areas of marketing that need to be filled with senior level people. I do think mm-hmm. there may be something there, mm-hmm. and you know, and and so it, it is maybe CMO is the penultimate, you know, in a, in, a, in an ideal organization, but for that organization that has, you know, there are, there are plenty of organizations that have, for example, a CMO and a CCO, right. Mm-hmm. You know, where you've got a chief marketing officer and a chief customer officer um, yeah, yeah, or a chief growth officer or a chief digital yeah. officer, you know, and depending on yeah. your business strategy, it, you know, and the size of your business, it might yeah. merit exactly that. I yeah. would posit that a chief content officer could be just as important. Wow, I think that's really interesting. And the uh, and and I I know that interestingly, and this is this is real for our listeners. We've both got a meeting to go to, so we shouldn't be sitting here in the bar anymore. <laughs> so, right. so, um, so I'm afraid I'm going to have to draw a line under this excellent conversation, which I could definitely have for the rest of the evening and with some more of these cocktails. So, um, where can people find a little bit more about your writing of it? You can find me, um, at mm-hmm. contentadvisory.net If you're looking for me on the interwebs. Splendid. And what did we describe? What, what was the aspiration for our social media? We discussed a couple of weeks ago to be ubiquitous across social media. Where can people find you? Uh, I, you can find my annoyingly pervasive self at uh, Robert Rose on Twitter. And of course, I am uh, also annoyingly pervasive on LinkedIn as well. Splendid. Well, I will look forward to your annoyingly pervasive presence in this very bar, hopefully next week. You will indeed. Splendid. I'll see you then. Thank you, Roberts. Of course. Cheers, my brother.
Thank you, Robert. I'd love to know what you think of the topic of careers in content marketing, as many of you are content marketers, and it's a popular topic on this show. So that's a wrap on episode 39 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. Thanks again to Christine for sharing her insights, to Xenia for the wonderful conversation, and of course to Robert for propping up our virtual Rockstar CMO bar. I will, of course, include all their links in the show notes at rockstarcmo.com forward slash podcast, where you can find all our previous episodes. If you like my guests, please give them a mention, click their links, follow them, take a look at their work. I really appreciate their time. But most of all, thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. I hope you enjoyed the show. Next week, we will have episode three of our dip into Christine's book. I have a chat scheduled with a wonderful marketing leader, Jeff Clark, who I've had the pleasure of working with and was recently principal analyst at Serious Decisions Forrester. And it will be my pleasure to welcome Robert Rose back to the Rockstar CMO virtual bar. Until then, I've been your host, Ian Truscott, founding editor at rockstarcmo.com. And I hope you'll join us next week here at Rockstar CMO FM. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.